missionary journeys. But the thing is, we haven't got there yet. <laughs> so even today and then the next time, we won't be able to be there. But we are getting there, so don't worry. We will get there sometime soon. So today we are going to look at Paul's missionary work before the first missionary journey from where? Antioch. Yeah, it started from Antioch in Acts 13. But we have to understand that his missionary work didn't begin in Antioch. That's something that we are going to look at tonight. So when we think of Paul's missionary work, we tend to think of Paul's three major missionary journeys only. Like I said, it started in Acts 13. Where do you find the historical record of these three journeys? From Acts 13 through Acts 20. What comes after Acts 20? Anybody remembers? Paul is in trouble with the Jerusalem people, and then he's being deported to Rome. And finally, in Acts 28, we find him being in prison, kind of home prison, uh, and then he's sharing the gospel there in Rome according to God's uh, promise. So these, these you know, three missionary journeys and Paul's travel to Rome are really important historically and theologically. So we will spend a lot of time on those things and the details of them. Yet, at the same time, one thing we have to remember tonight is this, that Paul's missionary career didn't start with his first missionary journey from Antioch. As we learned before from Acts 9, Paul was converted to Christianity and at the same time called to be the, the, the apostle to the Gentiles when he encountered the risen Messiah on the road to Damascus. But after Acts 9, Luke is silent about Paul until we, until we find him with Barnabas in Antioch at the end of Acts 11. And because of the time gap between Paul's conversion and the first missionary journey from Antioch was about 10 to 13 years, many people assume that over the period of that decade, Paul was silently preparing for his future missionary work, thinking, studying, and meditating on the Old Testament in terms of the newly found gospel message. While I'm certain that Paul never stopped studying and meditating on the Old Testament, it is wrong to think that Paul silently prepared himself for a future ministry between his conversion and his first missionary journey from Antioch. Rather, Paul immediately obeyed his master's call to proclaim the gospel among the Gentiles right after his conversion. So on the road to Damascus, the Lord Jesus said to Paul, Acts 26, 16, But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom... I now send you. I want to emphasize the now part. He's at his conversion. God, Jesus is telling Paul, now, right now, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God and that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified 
by faith in me. So when Ananias opened Paul's eyes and baptized him in Damascus, Paul's missionary career for the Gentiles immediately began. That's Acts 9, 18. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. He received his sight at once. He rose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately he preached the God, Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not the one, he, who destroyed those who called on his name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose, so that he might bring them bound to the chief priest? But Saul increased in all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ. So why look here? focuses only on Paul's gospel ministry among the Jews in Damascus, Paul himself clearly states that he was proclaiming the gospel among the people in Damascus and Arabia for about three years. That's Galatians 1. So this is something, first thing we, we, we will look at tonight, Paul's missionary work in Damascus and Arabia. The span was about three years. In Galatians 1.13, Paul says, For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And he explains in what happened before his conversion. And of course, the Lord revealed himself in verse 16. Uh, so God revealed his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But where did he go? I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, the ministering, ministering in Damascus and Arabia, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days. So here's a question that should arise in my mind. So Paul himself said, right after my conversion, I went to Arabia, proclaiming the gospel. And then Luke is silent about it. Luke just doesn't talk a thing about Paul's stay in Arabia. To answer, this is why, why then did, didn't Luke talk about it? To answer this question properly, we need to understand the purpose of Luke's writing in the book of Acts. Luke didn't write Acts to prov provide every historical detail of the early church. Rather, his purpose was to narrate the successful spread of the gospel from the east to the west. To fulfill his purpose, Luke had to be selective and decided to exclude the story of Paul's ministry in Arabia. And it's really interesting, actually. His, Paul's ministry was in Arabia was quite successful. We can actually conjecture that based on the data. But Luke was silent about it which is really telling us that we don't have to proclaim what we've done <laughs> for the Lord. Sometimes we can put it in a pocket and that will reward in the end. So then why did then uh, Paul emphasize his gospel ministry in Arabia right after his conversion? It is because Paul needed to explain to the Galatians that he received the gospel message directly from Jesus long before he ever met with the apostles in Gentiles, and that's Galatians 1, 11 through 20. Even before Paul talked with the apostles, 
he was able to work as the apostle to the Gentiles because he was directly commissioned by the Lord Jesus. So he's establishing his apostolic authority among the Gentile believers. Hey, you think that the apostles from Jerusalem are superior to me? No. Of course, they are good people, but I'm also commissioned by the Lord directly. So I didn't confer with the apostles in Jerusalem. Why? Because I didn't have to. And I went to Arabia directly so that I could proclaim the gospel among the Gentiles in Arabia. So unlike the common understanding, misunderstanding, that Paul needed to go to Arabia to formulate his gospel message through deep meditation, the apostle to the Gentiles went to Arabia to obey the Lord's call to evangelize the Gentile people who lived in Arabia. So as you look at, look at, look at uh, look on the map, in Paul's days, Arabia didn't refer to the entire Arabian Peninsula. So when we hear, you know, Paul's saying, you know, I went to Arabia, we immediately think about the desert, right? I mean, he went to the desert, so he was meditating. But that wasn't the case. As the picture shows, Arabia was a smaller region next to Palestine, ruled by the kingdom of Nebatea. And the Jews regarded the Nebateans as descendants of Ishmael, whose first son was Nabaioth. And you can find his name in Genesis 25, 13 and 28, 9. While they were descendants of Abraham, who was the father of Ishmael, the Jews still considered them as Gentiles. So as an obedience to the Lord's call to the Gentile missions, Paul decided to evangelize the Nebataeans who lived next to Damascus, where he started preaching the gospel. You know, we read Acts 9, you know, we see that, that he was baptized, he got strengthened, he began to spread the gospel among the people in Damascus. And sometime around, you know, somewhere around that time, he went to Arabia, probably going back and forth, possibly, and proclaiming the gospel among uh, the people. And I, I, this is conjecture, but probably he used Damascus as the center of his mission work, missions work for Arabia. Why? Because there were uh, some believers in Damascus, who were able to support him, like including Ananias, who really opened his eyes and baptized him. So this this is kind of what happened. And as you can see, you know, Nabatia, that is the Arabia that we are talking about. So if you look, zooming it in, as you can see in the map, the majority of the Nabatian population was concentrated in the northern region of the Nabatian kingdom. You see, you know, there are a lot of cities in the north, but they're not a lot. Why? South is desert, but north is a good land where people could live. So we can easily imagine that Paul traveled through these northern cities, boldly proclaiming the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And you see, you know, Damascus is quite nearby, so I, I'm sure that he was going back and forth, you know, proclaiming the Lord Jesus there. The Bible is completely, completely silent about Paul's ministry in Arabia. So we don't know what he did there. But it is highly likely that his gospel ministry made a not-so-small impact in the Arabian cities. How do I know this? In 2 Corinthians 11, Paul mentions that the king of the Nabataean kingdom was directly involved in the persecution that arose against himself. So as you can see, 2 Corinthians 11, 
32 and 33, in Damascus, the governor, under Aretas, the king, was guarding the city of the Damascenes uh, with the garrison, desiring to arrest me, but I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hands. And you see here, there's a governor of Damascus. Actually, that wasn't actually the territory of the Nabataean kingdom. Yet at the same time, Paul mentions the name Aretas, the king. Who is the Aretas, the king? Aretas was the king of Nabataea. And as you can see in the coins, these are the coin. This is the coin of Aretas. Uh, uh, Aretas is the Nabataean king. Aretas the fourth, Philodemus, who ruled Arabia from 9 B.C. to A.D. 40. It's a historical, you know, person. And there's no historical evidence that Aretas ever ruled over Damascus. Then why was the Nabataean king directly involved in persecuting Paul? In Damascus, it doesn't make sense. The only possible explanation is that Paul made many Nabataean converts while he stayed in Arabia. And it angered Aretas, who hated the Jews. Then why Aretas hate the Jews? Hated the Jews? Aretas once had a good relationship with the Jews because he actually he married his daughter to Herod Antipas. Who is Herod Antipas? He ruled over the Jews who lived in the northern part of Israel, like Galilee and uh, Perea. But in AD 27, this wicked Antipas divorced Aretas' daughter in favor of Herodias. Who is Herodias? Her daughter is quite famous in the Bible. If you look at Matthew 14, Herodias' daughter enticed Herod Antipas to kill John the Baptist. Of course, you know, Herodias used to be the wife of Herod Philip, who was the brother of Antipas. So this family is messed up. <laughs> but anyway, even they messed up with the king of Nabataea. And so Nabataea took the insult on her daughter as a personal insult himself. And then he even started a war against Antipas in AD 36. And in the end, he won the battle. He won the war. So actually, Antipas lost. And so knowing Aretas' hatred against Herod, Antipas, and of course, he should have hated the Jews as well because they were under the rule of Antipas, I can imagine why Aretas persecuted Paul, who was making a lot of converts in Arabia. In the first century, in the first century, you know, Christianity, uh, the Christ Christians were considered to be a sect within Jewish society. So people are thinking, you know, they're Christians, the people of the way, people of the Jesus of Nazareth. They thought, you know, it's kind of one sect within Judaism. So in Aretas' eye, it must have been looking like this. This Paul, who's called Saul, you know, of course, you know, in his Hebrew name, and this is this guy's making a lot of followers. And then they are now following Jesus, who was a Jew, of course, from the Jewish you know, city, and he was you know, active in Jerusalem. It must have angered Aretas. Why? Because he was thinking that this, this Paul is somehow making their, his own people to become Jewish people. So it was actually a political persecution. 
that arose, you know, rose against uh, Paul when, when, while he was working in Damascus and, and Arabia. So uh, Aretas had a political reason to stop Paul from making any more converts and collaborated with the governor of Damascus and, uh, and the anti-Jesus Jews in persecuting Paul. So that's what, you know, actually, Luke is like really silent about it. So Luke just emphasized the persecution that, that was coming from the Jews against Paul. But if you just see, you know, try to, you know, juxtapose all the evidence, pieces of evidence there, it's quite, you know, reasonable to think that there was a political persecution that was going against Paul there. So to save his life, Paul fled Damascus and went to Jerusalem. That's Acts 9, 23 through 27. Now, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and led him down through the wall in a large basket. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. Now, then what did Paul do after Damascus and Arabia in Jerusalem? That's our second thing that we are going to study tonight. Paul's missionary work in Jerusalem. It lasted about 15 days. According to Paul, he stayed in Jerusalem only about two weeks. Galatians 1.18. Then after three years in Damascus and Arabia, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days. So Paul went to Jerusalem to spend time with Peter, but it, it was not just a time of, time of fellowship for Paul. If you look at Acts 9.26 through 30, after Paul ran away from the persecution in Damascus, Luke records, and when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples in verse 28. So he was with them in Jerusalem, coming in and going out. What does it mean? He's going in and out. 29, and he spoke boldly in the name of Jesus, the Lord Jesus, and disputed against the Hellenists. Were the Hellenists? These are the you know, Greek-speaking Jews. But they attempted to kill him. When the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. Tarsus was, he, was he, Paul's hometown. So as soon as the fellow Christians welcomed Paul as a brother in Christ in Jerusalem, Paul began to proclaim the name of Jesus and debated with the Hellenists. Again, were the Hellenists? Greek-speaking Jews. In verse 29, the two verbs, speak and dispute, are both imperfect tense, meaning that Paul's preaching and debating were not an isolated one-time action, but it was a repeated habitual action. It indicates that when Paul didn't speak with Peter, he went out to preach the gospel among the Jews, especially the Greek-speaking Jews. These were the diaspora Jews who were visiting Jerusalem temporarily. Why do you think that he was targeting the Greek-speaking Jews who were from other parts of the world? Of course, he was one of them. He's from Tarsus in Cilicia. He was a Hellenist himself. He was able to speak Greek. And at the same time, his reasoning must have been this. If I share the gospel with these Greek-speaking people who are visiting Jerusalem temporarily, what they would do after they're done there? They're going to go back to their own countries and share the gospel with them. That, was, that must be his, his thought process there. So he was trying to win them over to Christ. Of course, what happened is this. They headed him 
<laughs> so they wanted to kill Paul. Why? Because he was the biggest betrayer. He was the biggest traitor. Why? He's himself a Greek-speaking you know, Jew, and he's from you know, Tarsus, and he's been a rabbi, and he's been working for Judaism and Jewish people for a long time, and now he's turning his back against them. Of course, you know, the hatred against Paul was very reasonable. So um, Paul's fervent and unceasing preaching for the name of Jesus Christ drew a, a lot of a great attention in Jerusalem. And then persecution, of, of course, followed, and he had to run away. But I have a feeling, though, if Paul could stay there longer in Jerusalem, he would have. But he just had no other choice. And even his brothers were more, actually, <laughs> uh, they were more nervous. So they, they would kill Paul. So let, let's send him to Tarsus. That's what happened. But again, he had to run away to save his life from the murderous hands of the Jews. And that's Acts 9.30. When the brethren found out that the Jews were trying to kill him, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. And you can see the you know, progression in the map here. Of course, from Jerusalem to Damascus, he went there with the permission from the high priest to do what? To persecute Christians, right? And then he went, met Jesus on the way to Damascus. He became a believer. And then he went down to Arabia, as you can see, the red line. And then he was going back and forth, probably you know, doing ministry. And then now he, because of the persecution in Damascus, he came down again to Jerusalem. And then Jerusalem, of course, he was persecuted. So his brothers in Christ sent him to Caesarea, as you can see, the maritime. And then he went up to Tarsus so that he could save his life. That's the progression that we have seen so far. And now the third thing that we are going to look at uh, tonight. So Paul got to Tarsus. What did he do there? Paul's missionary work in Syria and Cilicia. And as you can see here, uh, Tarsus is in the province of Cilicia. And, that's, and then also, you know, the right side of Cilicia was Syria, where Damascus was the capital city. So as you can see, you know, Paul was starting his ministry around uh, this town. Oh, I don't know why. Oh, I'm sorry. You didn't see the map? Technology. I was, I was able to see it. <laughs> oh, not good. Not good. Let's try it, because you, know, you have to see it. The internet is down, I guess. I was so excited, I didn't know that it wasn't up. So Tommy, for Tommy, is, is the internet going well with that there? Okay. Hmm.
So then uh, I can't even see my note notes anymore. Uh, let's see if I can do this this way. <laughs> this is interesting night. So anyway, let me just say it and if, without the visual aid. Uh, but so Paul's ministry in Tarsus started in Cilicia and uh, Syria. In Galatians 1, 21, Paul says, Afterward, I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia after he fled in Jerusalem. That's what he meant. So when Paul went to Tarsus, he immediately began his missionary work in his hometown province. Again, just like Paul's ministry in Arabia, we don't have any detailed description of Paul's early ministry in Syria and Cilicia. But it is certain that his ministry was very successful. The fame of his gospel ministry even reached the believers who lived in Judea, who never met him in person. So uh, Galat uh, Galat I'm sorry, Galatians 1.22, Paul says, for, for, And I was unknown by faith to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ, but they were hearing only. He who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God in me. You see here, he was ministering in Syria and Cilicia. Even the people in Judea were hearing about him, his fame, his successful ministry among the Jews and, and Gentiles in Syria and Cilicia. Moreover, the book of Acts gives us a hint that Paul planted many churches in Syria and Cilicia while he stayed there before his first missionary journey. If you read through the account of Paul's first missionary journey in Acts 13 and 14, these are the two chapters that cover the first missionary journey of Paul, you will find no record of Paul and his colleagues planning churches in Syria and Cilicia. Let me say it again. There's no record in Acts that Paul and his colleagues were working in Syria and Cilicia. But if you look at Acts 15, 23, if you want to open your Bible and you can do it, uh, Acts 15, we find the Jerusalem apostles sending their letter to the Gentile churches in Syria and Cilicia. In Acts 15, 23, they wrote, the apostles wrote this letter by them, the apostles, the elders and brothers, to the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. Of course, we know who were the people in Antioch. These were the church, you know, the first church that sent out the missionaries. Yet, you know, we find that the Syria, there were churches in Syria and Cilicia as well. And again, if you look at um, Acts 15:41, Paul says this, you know, uh, Paul, Paul actually, after fought, you know, kind of argued with Barnabas. You know, why? Because they were arguing over John Mark whether they, they would take him or not. Of course, Barnabas was on the side of John Mark, and Paul was the other side, and they parted each other, their ways. And then Paul and Silas, Acts 15.41, uh, went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. You see the implication, that the indication here is that there are a lot of churches in Syria and Cilicia, while Luke is silent about their activities uh, among those people if through the, you know, from the, the first missionary journey. So then where did these churches come from? The only explanation 
is that Paul planted them while he stayed in Tarsus. Because he stayed in Tarsus at least about 10 years. And he must have been able to plant a lot of churches among uh, the people in Tarsus. So interestingly, Paul tells the Corinthian church that in 2 Corinthians 11.24, five times I've received the 40 lashes minus one from the Jews. The reason why 39 lashes is because that's the point that you're not going to die. <laughs> so 39, and if you slap one more, actually the person who slaps is guilty of murder. So they stopped at 39. But he took it how many times? Five times. So he was point of death for five times. But once again, there's nothing mentioned about this incident, the five times of 39 lashes in Acts. And receiving 39 lashes from the Jews is such a significant punishment that it seems odd Luke would not mention at least one of the five instances. But, you know, 2 Corinthians, you know, in which he's writing about the five times of 39 lashes, was written during his third missionary journey. Which means it was after his staying in Syria and Cilicia. So if these five times of 39 lashes happened, it must have happened during the time that he stayed in Tarsus, traveling around Syria and Cilicia, proclaiming the gospel and planning churches. Then again, why was he persecuted so much? Of course, he was successful. He was making a lot of converts. He was making a lot of you know, disciples of Jesus among these towns, and that's why he faced so much persecution, so great persecution right there. So news of Paul's evangelistic work among the Gentiles in Cilicia probably spread to Antioch as well, and at the time, Barnabas was there. It was before, you know, Acts 13. It was at the end of Acts 11. So Barnabas was there in, in Antioch. Why? The Jerusalem apostles sent him there. They heard that there are a lot of believers in Antioch. They needed some help. So they sent Barnabas from Jerusalem. And Barnabas was working hard there, but of course he needed some help. And probably the, he heard of Paul's name that was, you know, being uh, going around in Syria and Cilicia. So he actually brought Paul to Antioch, and then that's something that we're going to look at next time, and how the how Paul was used because of Barnabas, and this is they were a great team. But anyway, so the, this just makes sense. Okay, so Paul wasn't just silent in Tarsus or in Cilicia and Syria; he was just making a lot of disturbances, <laughs> and it was a good news for believers. And then, of course, Barnabas brought him down so that he could, they could work together for the church of Antioch. So again, here are three things that we need to remember after learning about Paul's ministry. In first, where? Damascus and Arabia. Second, where? Jerusalem. And third, in Syria and Cilicia. The first application we have to make is this. We must start sharing the gospel as soon as we are converted. So there's no excuse. Okay, I'm a young believer. I don't know how to share. Did you listen to the sermon this morning? All you need to do is how to tell people how the Lord changed you. That's it. I was possessed with the worldly desires. I was pursuing my career. I hated everybody around me. I even hated my parents. I hated my brothers and sisters. Yet when the Lord touched my heart, that changed. You can say it. 
if you have experienced it. And that's what Paul did. As soon as he was converted, immediately he proclaimed the name of Jesus. And secondly, we must preach the gospel wherever we are. You see here, Paul was in Damascus. That's where he began to preach. And he went to Arabia and preached the gospel. And of course, he had to run away from Damascus. Why? Because, you know, even King Aratus, the Nabatean king, didn't like him. So he went to Jerusalem. What did he do there? He preached the gospel. So he was persecuted and he went to Tarsus. Of course, he was preaching the gospel and then he was persecuted, yet he kept on preaching the gospel. And I just want to give you this you know, encouragement and challenge. You know, there was great persecution in Jerusalem after the death of Stephen. And who killed Stephen? A bunch of people, including Paul. And with that persecution, a lot of people in Jerusalem had to run away. That's Acts 8. Acts 8, 1. Now Saul was consenting to Stephen's death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So the apostles were staying in Jerusalem. But the rest of the church people had to run away to the surrounding regions. And then in verse 4 of Acts 8, it reads, Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere, preaching the word. The apostles were staying in Jerusalem. The gospel yet still going out. Why? The first believers, wherever they were, they preached the name of Jesus Christ. And number three, we must preach the gospel while preparing for ministry. I know some of us here are thinking about ministry in the future. And I've gone through four colleges and seminaries in my training, education, I know, theological training, and I'm not done yet. Poor me. <laughs> but what I found, though, is this. You know, there are a lot of young people and young women who know that they are going to be a pastor, they are going to be a missionary, they are going to be a counselor, whatever that may be. They know they are going to be in ministry. But somehow, they are waiting for the opportunities that are in the future. They think, I'm not ready. I'm training. No, of course you're not ready. Who's ready? Who's ready? Paul says, who can be sufficient for this ministry? Paul even felt inadequate. Nobody is ready, but we are already ready. Why? We have the gospel in our earthen vessel, and we have to proclaim it, just like Paul did, just like the people in Jerusalem did. And we have that, and we must do it. So let's keep that in mind. I'm so sorry for the technological issue here. I really wanted to show you all the pictures and cool things, but uh, maybe I was too excited. <laughs> but anyway, let's pray. Precious Father, thank you so much for your love.